This week, we continue to study the amazing love of God through the life and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is fully God and fully human, a reality making possible his role of mediation between God and humanity. Jesus is the only way to return to the love of our Heavenly Father, and only through the work of Jesus can we approach God with concrete confidence and live with anchored hope. God's love is amazing, and his word is for you. Please join us in reading today's passage. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Echeria and Trincontus, and Lysenius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priestess of Ananias and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, making his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor, and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exterations he praised good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reapproved for him by Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Now when all people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am pleased. All flesh is like grass, and all the glory like flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Thank you, Millie. I add my greetings to those that you have already heard. Uh, the passage is printed in your bulletin. Keep it open if you want to uh, join me in opening scripture. There are Bibles in your pew rack. Uh, there are multiple ways for you to follow God's word as we worship him in studying his word. Uh, this week we are continuing our series on the amazing love of God. And last week we saw the power of God's love in revealing his word to us. We looked at the process of writing through 2 Peter, uh, the, the product of what was written by the Spirit for God's people in real history. In his word, it, happened, it was revealed in history, uh, it had real eyewitnesses, and it was ordered in a really tangible way so that Christians... Children of God can have real certainty. 
I want to encourage you all, if you want to go deeper in your trust and understanding of God's Word, I recommend this book called Taking God at His Word. It's by Kevin DeYoung. Uh, If you can't afford a copy but you'll read it, I'll get you a copy uh, for you. This is a phenomenally uh, accessible book that will deepen the certainty uh, that you have as a disciple in God's Word so that we can know the Father's love deeper. But this week, as we continue to look at the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke so that we can know the Father's love in more intimate ways, we're going to discover clear revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. That is, God Himself, completely different in quality than us, that came in full humanity so that He can be a mediator. So that all who believe can return to the love of our Father. Now this is an important topic for the church today. I'll tell you why. I I couldn't get this slide to work because the graph online was too hard to copy and paste. But you can go look at the 2022 State of Theology survey that is a combination between Lifeway Christian Books and Ligonier Ministries. And every year they do this state of theology. And in 2019, uh, 80% of people in the church believe that Jesus was God. This past year, in 2022, around 60%. And friends, let me tell you, you will never understand the amazing love that God has for you You don't understand what it means to be a Christian, to be born again, if we cannot trust the intimate invitation that comes through God's revelation, that Jesus is God, and he came in full humanity, and we have to remove and replace the misunderstandings we have of of Jesus. And to fully embrace who God reveals himself to be so that we can know him intimately. Why? Because he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. So as we study the word of the Lord, let's go to the the Lord of the word in prayer together first. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the intimate invitation you give us to know your love through seeing Jesus as the uh, Son of God and God Himself. We ask that Your Holy Spirit would not just inspire us, but truly transform us as we, Your children, look into Your Word to be conformed more to Your image. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, three points today. The first one is simply that Jesus is God, the, the hope of history. Now, history is all through this passage. It's a clear priority uh, of Luke, and, and you can see it. And Millie, I do not envy, you know, when you, when you say you'll read uh, and you get welcomed with names like this passage starts with, you did an unbelievable job. Luke is unapologetic, as he was at the, his introduction, to reveal Jesus as coming in actual history. It's Roman history. Do you see? In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius of Caesar, Pontius Pilate, governor of Judea, 
Herod, the tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, the tetrarch of the region of Etria. And here's one of, one of my favorites, not, not tracheotomy or whatever that name is there. Uh, Millie nailed it. But it's Lysanus. He's the tetrarch of Abilene. Uh, did you know West Texas was in Scripture? Huh? You know? I, 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 read, I read that. I was like, man, that's kind of fun. A little, a little touch point. And I realized it really isn't related to each other at all. But these are actual rulers, five of them, who actually ruled in history. And he roots it in Roman history and then Jewish history. Look at verse 2. You see this? During the high priesthood of Ananias and Caiaphas. So he's very intentional to say, hey, look, as you're reading this history, go back and check what happened under these rulers. Go back and talk with people who saw it, who lived it. They can validate it. Jesus came as God in history, but he came as the hope of his story. All of us are looking and longing for hope, and God in his love says, it's arrived in Jesus. God himself is the author of history. This is why we can describe it as his story. And he entered into time and space to manifest as the ultimate hope. John the Baptist was proclaiming. He was baptizing repentance, uh, forgiveness of sins. And people were coming to him from all over with high expectations. Look at verse 15. The people were coming in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts, could John be the Messiah? They were longing for exactly what John quotes from in Isaiah 42. Look at, the, look at verse 6. The, the Messiah would be someone that all flesh will see the salvation of God. This deep anticipation, this expectation of who the Messiah would be. The Greek word for Messiah is Christ. It's not Jesus' last name, Jesus Christ. It's Jesus whose title was Christ, the Messiah. He is the hope for all humanity. Now you can go back and, and listen to other sermons that, that we have preached on the baptism of John and the fulfillment of all the ancient prophecies that Jesus embodies here. But what we want to focus on now is, is just this deep hope that people found met in Christ. And that if we want to have our hope solidified, it must be centered on Christ. Because there was uh, the Jews at this time were, were an occupied country. The empire of Rome provided many great things, but they were very oppressive to people that they conquered and ruled over. And they long for hope. They were looking for hope. And Jesus comes as their hope. The, the salvation of all people. The salvation of God is how he's described by Scripture. Now Christians today in many ways have resigned ourselves from true hope. We've welcomed despair. We've welcomed discouragement. It leads us to depression. The pain of our lives, the injustice of our world, the, the suffering of our steps, the struggle of our relationships in our hearts, the emptiness that we seem to be reaping is something that we have resigned ourselves to be reality. 
This was a temptation for the Jews as well. And Jesus enters in to usher in a different reality. The the sin, the the struggle of our hearts, our lives, the society, the suffering of this world, the injustice that we see and the emptiness, it's not the end of the story. That the author of the story, the creator of all that is, has come in the flesh to help us know a true reality. And isn't that hope? Isn't it hope to know that the feelings we feel, the suffering we see, is not truly reality, that there is something greater than you and me, that's Jesus who has come then and to us. You see, through Jesus, we can be sure of a new world where history is going in eternity. And it will come to a climax Where there's no more tears. Do you believe that? No more pain. Church, no more suffering. Do you hear it? No more death. The old order's totally passed away in Christ and the new has come. Revelation 21, 1-6. This is the hope of heaven where the story is going. All of history that entered into time and space. It's a true reality, and, and here's what you've got to know, that when we truly anchor our hope in Him, it doesn't disconnect us and lead us to withdrawal. It actually compels us to engage just healthily with a renewed strength, a secure perspective, and a perseverance and endurance that is beyond ourselves. But if you're like me, you say, well, that sounds good, but now this is just difficult to know. I mean, how, how can I really know that Jesus is the hope of history that entered into time and space? And God, in his great accommodation to us, he confirms visually and verbally that Jesus is God. Take a moment to realize the weight of that accommodation. God wants you to know his love through the mediating work of Jesus to such an extent that he takes time to validate it. Visually and verbally. We see it right in this passage. How does it happen? Well, verse 21. Look at this. Uh, Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus also had been baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens opened. The heavens opened. Now, Luke records this baptism. If you look at the grammar of the passage, the the focus of what he records is the heavens opening. The actual baptism of Jesus is a subordinate clause that supports the main focus of what Luke is trying to communicate. The picture is of the Father who stands over the earth, the Father who loved the world so much that he sent his only Son, that whoever believes in him, they won't perish, but they'll have eternal life. The picture is of this Father tearing open the heavens. 
Now, we've got scientists trying to figure out how we got the hole in the ozone layer. And they probably should keep doing it because this isn't the reason. That's just something that helps us understand the gravity of what the Father's doing. Because when the heavens open, the voice speaks. This is my beloved Son. The language. It's this Old Testament combination of coronation and suffering. From Psalm 2, verse 7. The beloved Son who will be the eternal King. That's Jesus. From Isaiah 53. The one who came to suffer to carry our sins. That's the beloved Son. And whom he's well pleased. And he confirms verbally that he's God. Now, now, just as the Old Testament supports the divinity of Christ, who is the fulfillment of all the anticipation and prophecies of the Old Testament, so does the New Testament. And you know it. John 1.14, the word who spoke creation, he became flesh, the glory of God among us. You know it. Philippians 2, verse 11, you know this. That in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and tongue will confess he's Lord. You know Colossians 1, 15. You know it. He's the visible expression of the invisible God. You know it. You know it from Hebrews 1, 3. That when you see Jesus, it's the exact imprint of the Father's nature. The verbal confirmation that came from heaven was not only in alignment with the Old Testament, but the New Testament, so that all of us can verbally hear, Jesus is God. The voice of the Father confirming his love that he sent for you. But not just that. Luke adds something else. That when the Holy Spirit came down, yes, he came in the form of a dove, and yes, that is actually in the other narratives of Jesus' baptism. But what what is unique to Luke is that it says that the Spirit came down in a bodily form of a dove. He focuses on the actual animal, like a legit bird, A real bird with feathers and a beak, with feet. They poop all the time while they fly. Like those kind of birds, you know the grackles where it's kind of a game and you've got to like avoid their mess? A bird! A bird that was a dove came and physically descended upon Jesus. Now this picture of the Trinity is unbelievably potent and powerful that God exists eternally in three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and here we see it. But right now we need to focus on the amazing love of God that is himself coming in the flesh. Jesus Christ. We have to take note of this. This is astounding. Jesus came out to be with John the Baptist. And these, it was so crowded. that There were just lines waiting to be baptized. Why were they there? Because they knew they were sinners. And they knew they needed to repent. They knew they were broken. They knew they were actually hopeless without divine intervention. They were broken. They were weary. They needed forgiveness and a new start. And that's where Jesus went. He numbered himself among the sinners. This one who was validated to be the son of God by a voice from heaven and visually validated by an actual bird coming down, the Holy Spirit. Unbelievable. And how, how is it even possible? Well, 
I need you to think with me. Will, will you think with me? I know it's early, and I know the coffee cookie hour is not for another 10 minutes. I, I need you. Can you put a mental cap on real quick? Here's how it happens. Jesus is God. He's qualitatively other. And, and look, I don't want to get like in your kitchen and make you uncomfortable here. But this is going to help us discern who's religious and who doesn't really know the love of the Father because our faith is just about checking boxes and who really gets relationship, all right? We're going to understand the distinction between quantity and quality. Let, prove to me your thinking. Can you say quantity together? Now, can you say quality together? Okay, so uh, here's the deal. We live in a world, a society of uber abundance. All right? Quantity matters. We live in a celebrity culture where we exalt the excellence of humanity. We exalt the abundance that, that comes from that excellence. So it's easy to think this. It's easy to think that a better quality human is one that has a higher quantity of gifts. And so we te we're tempted to think of Jesus as having a higher quantity of excellence, some sort of celebrity. Like he has a higher quantity of gift and teaching. He has a higher quantity of, of the ability to serve, a higher quantity in, in what it takes to be a good leader or a good moral example. And what we don't realize is that we're creating a checklist on how to actually know God. Think about it in this way. Uh, San Antonio set a record this weekend. Are you aware of this? The largest crowd to ever gather at an NBA basketball game. How do you like it, Spurs? We, I mean, what a city, right? We're having a horrible year, and our town still shows up and just says we love the Spurs. Man, you've got to love San Antonio and the people. But here's the deal. The Spurs are celebrated because they have a higher quantity of athletic ability, a higher quantity of materialism, stuff, riches, right? And so we celebrate them. But let me ask you, who of the 68,000 actually got to get close to them, intimate with them? The answer is nobody. Celebrities have to keep a distance because the quantitative difference in their gifting, their, their power, their influence, it necessitates people to protect them in degrees of separation. Jesus is, uh, is not just a higher quantity person. If he was just a better teacher than we are, or a better servant than us, or more moral than us, a better leader than us, then what it means to know him would be to anchor our hope and our performance. If I can just be a better servant, if I can just be a more moral guy or girl, if I could just be a more godly leader, then maybe, then maybe that gap can be closed. But you see, this, if this is hopes in ourselves and it gives no satisfaction to the soul, that's no hope at all if it's based on your performance. I know most of you, you're not perfect, and I only recognize it because I'm not either. The understanding of Jesus 
is also impossible for him to truly mediate for us. We can't return to the love of the Father if the solution is just be better. Grow in your quantity of performance for him. Outweigh your bad stuff with a higher quantity of good stuff. That is self-righteousness. That is pharisaical. God will never love you more if you come to church every day, every week. God will not love you more if you perform better for him. God will not love you more or less if you know the answers or you don't. Because God's love for us is never based on our performance. It's only based on Christ's performance for us. Now, stay with me. Jesus was God. He wasn't quantitatively different. He was qualitatively different. Now, your heart longs. You long to see the love of God in this world. Jesus is the complete comprehension of that love. Your heart longs for goodness. Jesus, Jesus is totally good. Our society is desperate for justice. And Jesus came down among us to be this picture of integrated justice, complete justice. He is the total essence of the goodness we long for, the total substance of the love we're looking for. He is the standard of justice which we seek. He is of a totally different quality than us. Do you see that? And so here's how he can draw near. Because he is of a different quality, he can come and have a renewed intimacy, and here's how. Because the way that we come to the love of the Father, it isn't by performing better, but it's because this different kind of humanity, this qualitatively different person, God, the fullness of goodness, God, the fullness of love, God, the fullness of hope, God, the fullness of justice, God, the fullness of truth, came in an earth suit. And he lived a perfect life identifying with sinners. And then he died on the cross to pay for our sins. This is what we just read in our call to confession. God showed his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, he died for us. While we were his enemies, he died on the cross. God himself. Why? So that you can be a new kind of quality of a person. Because when you put your faith in Christ, you are what Paul calls a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and the Father doesn't reveal his love for us in the form of a checklist, but a completed list. I've done it all for you. Trust me and move to this place of intimacy where you can be my child, where you can be a new kind of person. Yes, it'll take you a while to learn to live that identity. But God is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God wants you to learn to inhabit all of your heart is looking for in goodness and truth and justice and love and find it in the person in the work of Jesus. This is how 
the hope of history comes home to our hearts so that we don't have to worry about being accepted. Jesus was rejected on the cross so that we can be accepted as children. And we can have joy come and surprise us. No matter what our circumstances in the world, we have this internal joy from the Holy Ghost that lives in us. That we don't need to be anxious. Paul says in Romans 8, if God is for you, he who did not even spare his own son, who can stand against you? We can have peace and security. Know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Because his love for us is not based on our performance. It's not quantitative. How much have you done for me lately? It's qualitative. God himself came and lived the perfect life identifying with sinners and then he died so that sinners can have his perfect record and live a new life, a new quality of humanity as children of God. Now, hey, that's some good news, isn't it? Man, let's pray. Lord, we believe, but will you help us with our unbelief? Thank you for becoming human so that we can be born again and by your spirit we might walk in a newness of life. Lord Jesus, Son of David, give us your spirit freshly that we might know, know you fully and live fruitfully in our humanity for your glory. In your name we pray, amen.